The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are a visionary. You have a vision. You just need to create it and bring it to life. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program will be an hour of inspiration for leaders who are making their visions happen and will set you on the path to having a big impact through your leadership and the life you really want. Now here's your host, Kate Ebner. Good morning, this is Kate, and my guests today are Gina LaRoche and Jen Cohen, two inspiring and passionate leaders who've taken a stand for sufficiency as the context for the future. Good morning, Jen and Gina. Good morning, Kate. Welcome to the show. I have um, so many things to talk with you about today, but I want to just kind of jump in um, by giving a little bit of background about sufficiency, which is the context for our conversation and the visioning that we're going to do, maybe live even, on um, the show today. Uh, We've introduced this show by calling it A Vision, A Movement, A New Paradigm, How Sufficiency Will Change Your Life. Um, And I think the sub-questions we've put forward are, what is enough? This is a big question, a question that most of us are asking ourselves in one way or another. You know, enough time, enough wealth, enough material possessions, enough work, uh, even enough self-development. What is enough? This is a question you've been working with for a long time. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourselves and why you've made sufficiency a central theme in your life and your work. Jen, why don't you start us off? Thanks, Kate. So my name is Jen Cohen, and I co-founded and run Seven Stones Leadership Group with Miss Gina LaRoche, who's also here with us, obviously. And um, I have made sufficiency the central organizing principle of my life, and then we've made it the central organizing principle of our work and our company, because um, to borrow a phrase, it feels like an idea whose time has come, really the idea whose time has come in a culture that's um, built upon uh, two, two sides of a polarity, scarcity and excess. So not enough time, not enough money, not enough love, not enough self-development, not thin enough, not smart enough, not enough degrees. Um, not enough money in the bank, not enough sleep, not enough whatever. And we've built an economic engine and really a social engine upon the quest to fill up the not enough with more and to accumulate. Uh, And what we're seeing as a world is that that model for living is breaking down. And we believe that this context, as you articulated it, Kate, of what we call actually exquisite sufficiency, which was Buckminster Fuller's original terminology for this idea, um, is a context that can 
truly source a sustainable future for the planet and for all beings on it. And so, Jen, you, you know, of all the things in the world that are out there, you've made it really clear what is so compelling about this. You said it's an idea whose time has come. And so you've chosen to make this your life work. Is that right? Yes, we have. Great. And Gina, tell us a little bit about you and um, how you've come to sufficiency. Great. Thanks, Kate. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Gina LaRoche. And um, I came to sufficiency, really, I was introduced to it by a man named Les Chaban, who was doing fundraising for an organization. And as part of his work, he, I went to hear him, and he talked about how we lived um, I think his phrase was, we swim in a sea of scarcity, um, and we don't know it. And he started talking about Madison Avenue and advertising, dictating um, what we buy, how, what we believe, who we are. And when I first heard that, I, I actually was, I, I disagreed with him. I said, I'm a really smart woman. I'm educated. I've worked at, um, I came up through a corporate background working at Fortune 500 few Fortune 500 companies in marketing and sales. And as I started wrestling with this idea of scarcity and this um, counterbalancing force of sufficiency, I actually started to notice that most of my life was focused on, as Jen said, literally the first thought when I woke up in the morning is I didn't get enough sleep um, or I didn't sleep well or I didn't do this, and really focusing on the deficits and the things I hadn't done. Um, you know, I never, you know, never weighed the right weight, never had the right clothes. I was just, you know, always focused on that and noticed that as I shifted my attention to what is enough, what's enough clothes, what's the right size house, what's the, you know, enough food, I noticed that my life began to alter. I found more peace. And for me, though, for some people, they think that sufficiency means less. And there are many times in my life where actually the sufficient move was to get more of something. And my classic example was um, I never had enough. Um, when my kids were young, I was constantly doing laundry. And I found like if I bought them like another three pairs of pants, I actually could just do laundry once a week. And that was enough pants for them. Um, and so... Um, I've had another girlfriend when we first started talking about sufficiency, you know, she realized she had something like 25 pairs of yoga pants. And she said, that's probably too many yoga pants. So she ended up, you know, getting less. <laughs> so it's not necessarily mm-hmm. less is sufficient. It really is. Like if you're a family of four or six or eight, you probably need a, a minivan to drive your entire family someplace. And that might be the sufficient sized car for you. You know, so I think... For me, I just started noticing that um, this engagement into what is enough was um, intellectually stimulating and and challenging and something that I had to tune in for myself on a day-to-day basis and to try to not be swayed by, you know, the outside forces of media and advertising, etc. Thank you, Gina. You know, in the Western world, we live with a fundamental assumption of scarcity. This is something that Lynn Twist wrote about in the book, The Soul of Money. Um, This unintentional mindset is that there 
is not enough for all of us and that we ourselves are not enough. We're, you know, as we said, you know, you made a, you both made great lists of the not enoughs that we um, chant to ourselves, you know, not rich enough, not enough time, not pretty enough, not thin enough, uh, not good enough, not educated enough. Mm-hmm. These days we also hear not enough jobs. Um, but when we take a step back and we unpack the assumptions that make up the scarcity mindset, there are really three central myths that have come to define the very way that we live in the world. Um, these myths, um, are there are three of them, and I think they're really important. I like to lay them out because I think it helps people step back and really reflect on what's the mythology that we've bought into. Uh, myth one is there's not enough. Myth two is more is better. And this one really... Um, seems to drive us, you know, um, when do we have enough? When do we know we can stop? You know, I, I like your references, Gina, to the house and the pants and, you know, how, how much is more is better. Um, and the third one is that's just the way it is. And this one really gives me pause sometimes when I think about the way that we look around the world and say, there's nothing we can do. That's just the way it is. Some people call this kind of the Darwinian uh, myth. <laughs> we say survival of the fittest, you know, that's just the way it is, you know, um, versus really seeing the way we can change the world, the way we can create the world um, as we want to. Um, you know, Lynn Twist wrote the book, The Soul of Money. It's insightful. I found it startling and profound reflection on money as a spiritual currency. And this book introduced the context of sufficiency to me and thousands and thousands of other readers when it was published in 2003 and up until the present time. Um, and I want to just um, ask each of you to share for a moment um, what a day living in sufficiency looks like for you. Jen, why don't you start us off? Um, well, there are a few hallmarks for me, and one is um, noticing scarcity. So, as Gina said, that Les Treban, one of uh, our mentors in this work, uh, said we're swimming in a sea of scarcity. That's true for us, even though we've dedicated our lives to this work and this conversation and uh, forwarding the context in the world, I have days where I still wake up swimming in the sea of scarcity. So the first thing that I do is pay attention to where I am. Mm -hmm. And that awareness in and of itself is a different way of living, is to actually notice where I'm located and what's sourcing my thinking and my being and my orientation for my day, for my moment. That's a great one. Gina, how about you? Yeah, um, I would just add, particularly when I first started this conversation, so for the listeners who are new to this, um, the concept of sufficiency was so remote for me that all I did was just notice the scarcity, just like Jen said. Um, And I had this experience. I was on the train platform waiting for the Amtrak train to come in, and there's a soda machine there, and my son was probably 10 or 11 years old and he found 75 cents in the soda machine. And the sodas cost $1.25. And instead of jumping for joy that he found 75 cents, he spent literally 15 minutes upset and stopping and screaming and yelling about how he didn't have enough to buy a soda and would I give him the extra 50 cents, which I refused to do. And he and I just watched him be in the scarcity of that moment and just noticed it, that 
the 75 cents caused him scarcity. Before that, he wouldn't have even asked me for a soda. So that's where I, I agree where I would start. And then for me, I just know, I, I thank myself for doing the things that I'm committed to doing. So I'm committing to, um, I, I love to do road races and I've stopped uh, for the past four or five years. And today I committed to start running today and I just ran a mile today and I just was present and happy and grateful for the mile. And the old me, I think I would have focused more on, oh, you're out of shape and how are you ever going to run a 5K or a 10K or a half marathon again? You only ran a mile. And today I truly rejoiced in running a mile. Um, so it's sometimes it's subtle um, and um, sometimes it's big things. Sometimes it's big things like... Kate, do we have time for another story? Go ahead. Yeah, we do have time for another story. I think the okay, stories Tina, help I, to bring this I to life. Can I steal the microphone? Because this is a story that's sourced from you, actually. So here's a day in the life of sufficiency at Seven Stones Leadership Group. In this up-and-down economy, um, we have moments where our um, cash flow is more robust and moments where our cash flow is tighter. And the moments where our cash flow is tighter can evoke for me a certain amount of my own scarcity around money that can come up. And um, one day Gina and I were on the phone and we were discussing uh, where we were and dealing with our um, our cash flow and what we owed and what revenue was coming in. And, you know, we were just being present to all that we needed to be present to. And um, I said that I was more in scarcity than in the sufficiency of what we had. And so Gina said, here's what we have in our checking account today. I want you to take 10% of that and write a check to that food pantry that you drive past every day when you take Sophia to school. And I want you to walk into the food pantry and I want you to hand her the check. And inside of our commitment to see what we have and stand in our own sufficiency and be willing to offer that. And um, that's what I did. And it was, it was a transformative experience for, for me and I think for the woman who I handed the check to, too, but for sure for me. Wow. That's a fantastic example. And tell us more, a little bit more about the transformation you experienced when you handed her that check. What was the difference between looking at the bottom line in the checking account before you wrote the check and then handing that check over? Well, actually, for me, the experience really started when Gina gave me the, quote, assignment. When she said, uh-huh. honey, I want you to do this, and you're not allowed to squawk about it. And I said, okay, whatever it is, I'll do it. And, um, and, and I felt a lot of peace the minute she told me what it was, actually. You but knew it was the right was thing. something about walking into the mouth of the dragon, Kate. You know, the, there I was at the food pantry on a day where the line was out the door. Mm. And I stood and just was in the space where people literally don't have enough. They do not have enough food on their own to buy, and yet here was this incredible sufficiency of food that was being shared with them. Wow. And um, it, it shifted. It's like what, what Gina said. It mm-hmm. shifted me from mm-hmm. seeing what wasn't 
to seeing what was. Really we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation and really envision a future based on sufficiency. This is Kate Ebner, visionary leader, extraordinary life. talking business talk to an expert call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network think of the world 50 years ago now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Entrepreneurial Insights is your weekly excursion into the world of business ownership. Presented by Sunbelt Business Brokers, the leading business brokerage and intermediary firm in the world, Entrepreneurial Insights will examine critical issues that impact both existing and prospective business owners. If you own or want to own a small business, listen for Entrepreneurial Insights with John Davies, Pino Boccianello, and Matt Ottaway. Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Hey, this is Kate. Welcome back. My guests today, Jen Cohen and Gina LaRoche of Seven Stones Consulting, have made a thriving business of helping people and organizations learn how to live and work from sufficiency. Their vision changes the very definition of what success means at a time when I think we really need a new American dream. This morning, we're exploring the radical difference between the sufficiency mindset and the scarcity mindset that tends to prevail um, in our culture. So I want to jump back a little bit to the conversation we were having before the break about, um, you know, sort of what is sufficiency. And I'll share with you a very short definition, um, and then I'd like to talk about scarcity again. Sufficiency is a conscious choice about how we view our lives and our circumstances. It's a conscious choice, an act of making known to ourselves our existing resources, and our inner resources. So we were talking a little bit, I think Jen was mentioning, the first step if you want to begin to ground yourself in sufficiency is to notice what you have, what's actually happening, what you actually already have, your existing resources, and that includes the inner resource of you. What do you already know? What do you already have within you to draw from? What are your strengths? What are your experiences? Who are your friends? What is your network? Right? So what's already present is the first step. Um, Since 2003, the book, The Soul of Money, has inspired a global movement of people dedicated to living and working from the context of sufficiency rather than in the rat race of scarcity, that rat race of the more is better mindset, um, trying to always get more and have more as a definition of success. I want to just help 
those listening understand a little bit more about um, why sufficiency versus the concept of abundance, which many of us have seen as a very positive way to go. Um, Jen, can you tell us why sufficiency is uh, the, the paradigm that you're standing with? Um, and, and, and can you give us a little bit of perspective on sufficiency and abundance? Yeah, thanks, Kate. So the way we've distinguished among the various terms and jargon is that scarcity and abundance are actually flip sides of the same coin. So not enough and excess. And um, that there's this concept called spiritual materialism, that at some level the the idea of abundance is really just sort of a euphemism for or a nice way of talking about still being committed to more is better. And um, this kind of excessiveness that especially in American culture drives us so thoroughly. And so this idea of sufficiency or exquisite sufficiency is this notion of the... Uh, you've mentioned Lynn Twist several times already in the conversation, and she says the radical surprising truth of our own sufficiency and the sufficiency that is everywhere, and that all of the beautiful food on the planet was a gift, and all of the air and all of the water and all of the beauty, all of it was given. It was all offered for free when we got here, when we arrived. And there isn't... Sometimes there are moments of excess in nature, and then usually there's a correction. So there's enough, and the ecosystem system takes care of balancing. But you don't find often in nature these places where, where there's a lot of hoarding or holding on to or accumulation, which is what the term abundance or, uh, is really related to culturally. For us. So that's why we make the distinction. Uh, is the world abundant? If you look at semantics and definitions, yes, it's, a, it's, it's abundant with resource, just in the way you were talking about, Kate. But because of the social construction around scarcity and excess, we find that this context of exquisite sufficiency gets us out of that trap and starts to distinguish a way of living that is connected to um, a truly sustainable way. You know, I've noticed as I've worked with the principle of sufficiency in my own uh, work and in my own life, that when our needs are met, in other words, when we have a sufficient amount of whatever it is that we need, we feel we're thriving. It doesn't really take an excess. It doesn't take a storehouse of extra. It's actually when exactly what you need is present, the feeling of that is, I'm thriving. And, and, and I want to just say that out loud to, to all of us, because I, I think it, um, we sometimes we, we keep um, slogging on and striving and trying to create more, you know, more and more. We don't actually stop and just notice what's already present, or what maybe what needs our attention to just ensure that we really are thriving. Sometimes we, we overwork it. Yeah. So, um, 
Gina, you have written a, a wonderful book called Living in Sufficiency, A Daily Journey. And I have this book. Um, I use it. I love it. Um, and it, it's a day book. So every day there's a sentiment expressed. Today's October 10th. And I'm going to read Energy and Balance, which is your um, meditation for today from, from the book Living in Sufficiency, A Daily Journey. Um, the energy of the universe is balanced. Only I am out of balance. I am an extension of all energy. Energy is infinite. I can take all I need, and there is more than enough for all. Tell us, what, is that, what does that merely mean to you? I can take all I need, and there's more than enough for all. I think it uh, lines up with what Jen was saying about uh, like nature provides... Um, nature provides all that we need. I used to joke I had a cherry tree in front of my house, and I used to joke that I had an abundance of cherry blossoms <laughs> blowing into my living room. And that's the exact amount of cherry blossoms that were needed to reseed the earth and my neighborhood and my city with um, a future cherry tree. So I think um, for me, it's this experience that if I am at peace, if I have a happy family, if, or whatever speaks to the individual, I'll just speak for me. If my children are happy, my husband is happy, my family, I'm connected, I'm breathing, I'm doing the things I love. It's not that I'm taking away from anyone else's life. Any, each and every person can have that for themselves, and there's no shortage of that. I think we tend to, you know, we hoard hard things, but, you know, we actually hoard our feelings. Oh, if so-and-so does really well, I compare myself to them. Oh, so-and-so um, published an article in a, in a prestigious journal. Somehow that means I can never publish an article in a prestigious journal like it was taken away from me somehow. And I think this sentiment says, actually, my neighbor can do that, and I, if I choose to, I can choose to publish an article in a prestigious journal, and so could you, Kate. And so that's, I think, what the sentiment I was trying to relay there. That's beautiful. And I think, you know, for everyone listening, I really encourage you to go to the seven stones leadership dot com website and or Amazon dot com, I think, and, and and get this book. I think it's a very um grounding and beautiful resource. Um we have a a question that just came in from one of our listeners. And this is a question that probably will take us right up to the break to answer. How do you reconcile doing business through a sufficiency model? in a world based on capitalism, which is so grounded in the principles of scarcity. Oh, I love this listener. It's a great question, and there's no easy answer, and I can just tell you where I've started to look. So first of all, what I'll say is John Perkins has this distinction that I really love. He calls predatory capitalism, and how capitalism has actually shifted um, in the last, 10, 20 years toward this more predatory model. And we see this with organizations where it really is about maximization of all profits. It's about winning market share um, uh, for no, um, with no recourse. Like they just, the more is better, right? Um, we grow, 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 and that is the way, that is the only way for our business to survive. And what I would say for us is that this is a moment to pause and 
I went to Harvard Business School. I am not against capitalism by any stretch of the word. I have a for-profit organization, and there is a place where I think there is enough profits for Exxon to have. There is enough profits for Jen and Gina to have. Um, There is a place where a certain dividend per share actually is enough. And just because Fidelity or Vanguard or these large um, institutional investors hold your stock doesn't mean that you do anything and everything just to please them and overstep other constituents, your customers, your neighbors, the environment. Um, So there's not an easy fix. And I can just point uh, the listener and my own clients in, a, in the right direction. Um, and we do a lot of work in corporations where we really start internally looking at the individuals who make up these organizations because we, you know, Exxon and GE and Walmart and all these companies are made up of individuals. And so we, we look at both the personal, where we are personally, um, in terms of sufficiency and scarcity, we look at the structural um, things that are in place around the IRS and the tax codes and quarterly reporting to the Wall Street, um, and all of that are structural issues that keep us locked in scarcity. Um, and we are committed um, and a stand that actually organizations can choose to create and live inside capitalism and sufficiency. So I would just add that um, I would just add that there there is a tension that we live in at Seven Stones about this question all the time to not sort of give a simple or easy answer. Um, the economic engine that we're in is a scarcity based model. So economic value goes up when goods become scarce. And goods that are not naturally scarce, like food, we actually impose a scarcity on them to drive up their value. So I think it's a both and. I think everything Gina said is where we're standing, and we are clear that ultimately the entire economic model is shifting and needs to shift to include all of life and to have the distinction of enough built in to the model, that infinite accumulation on a finite plane, as the Prime Minister of Bhutan said, is unjust and unfair for future generations, and it simply will not work. And We're going to take a break right here, and when we come back, we're going to tackle this question a little bit more and talk about your vision for the future. This is Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. Thank you for being with us. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Tune in to Tom Says for practical solutions that you can use in your life. Whether it's information you can use for business, spiritual awareness, health, or personal issues, you'll want to listen to this life-changing program hosted by Tom Gerbic. Tom will also invite you to participate by calling in or sending emails. There's no topic that's taboo. 
with Tom's life experiences, you'll find that a weekly visit can be truly inspiring. Tom Says can be heard on the Voice America Variety Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, with a weekly rebroadcast on the Voice America Business Channel. Did you know that the number one concern of American business is the ability to attract and retain qualified workers? Yet millions of qualified American workers with disabilities are sitting on the sidelines. Disabilities at Work Radio focuses on businesses and their workforce needs and also offers other topics of interest to people with disabilities, their families, and supporters. Join Disabilities at Work Radio every Wednesday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email... Please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. This is Kate. We'd love to hear from you. If you have questions for Jen Cohen or Gina LaRoche, our guest from Seven Stones Consulting, email us at visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. We will answer them on air, and we're giving away a copy of Living in Sufficiency, a daily journal by Gina LaRoche, and a copy of these beautiful cards, sort of daily cards that you can work with, or that each of them pose a, a thought, an idea about sufficiency, also created by Seven Stones. So we want to hear from you. Um, before the break, we were talking about uh, doing business in a capitalistic society um, and trying to take a stand for sufficiency in the context of capitalism. And a very great question came in from one of our listeners about this. And I just wanted to add to the discussion that we had um, that often when I go into organizations to work with leadership teams, to work with um, discussions about uh, the success or the future prospects of the business, I do find a scarcity mindset that is pervasive. In other words, we, we aren't where we should be. Um, we don't have what we need. We don't have the right people. We don't have any budget. We don't have the positioning that we want. And so often people organize in that context of scarcity. Um, in a, the, 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 the mindset that they bring, I think they call it problem solving. Right? These are our problems and challenges. How will we solve them? And what I'd like to just throw out there for those who are listening and who are in leadership positions is um, maybe leapfrogging over the um, summarizing our challenges and tackling them as problems. Leapfrog over that into another conversation. Given where we want to go, given what we have today, right now, how can we best tap into, use, expand what we currently have to get to the place we want to go? And I think if you do a really great job of taking stock of where you currently are and what's available to you, you'll almost immediately begin to discover the benefits of leading and working from sufficiency. You always will find, I, I have found, that you have more available than you think. With that in mind, I want to take us to the future. This show is called Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life, and we believe that it is the responsibility of all of us to create the future we want to live in. Uh, I can't imagine anybody I'd rather 
hear from about the future than Jen and Gina. Um, so we're going to go to the future for a moment. We're going to do a live visioning exercise right here on the air. Um, we're going to imagine for a moment that the year is 2031. It's 20 years from today, October 10th, 2031. The sufficiency movement, the sufficiency context has caught on. And it's now part of our daily life, particularly here in the United States of America. What does this look like? What does the vision of the future look like when we're actually all working from the context of sufficiency? Um, let's see what we can brainstorm. Uh, Gina, why don't you start us off? Thanks, Kate. Um, I think the first thought that came to mind was really um, embracing our interdependence. Um, noticing that what happens to me happens to you, what happens across town in my neighborhood impacts me, um, decisions that are made, um, co- decisions corporations make um, are felt not, um, that corporations really understand the interdependence that they have with all of their constituents, not just the shareholders, as I said before. Um, and then inside that, I think there's um, a, str- a stronger community. I, I live in New Haven, Connecticut, in a v- very strong uh, neighborhood called the Westville. And we, you know, we do share lawnmowers and we do uh, shuttle kids back and forth and watch out for each other and share swimming pools and, you know, some of the, the, the things... Um, that we, we read about uh, for some alternative lifestyles. And I would say we even share a plot of land behind my yard with 40 families that we steward, and it's just for the kids to play in. Um, so I think we see more of that. And um, personally, you know, again, New Haven is, a, is also a troubled city where so far we've had, you know, 26 people were murdered this year. And I assure you that all of them are probably under the age of 35, and they're all probably people of color, and they all probably live in a six-block neighborhood. And for me, 20 years from now, that just isn't tolerated. Like, it's just not tolerated that we could live in a city where a mile and a half from where we live, there's an epidemic. Um, So those are some of the things I would say right off the top of my head. So you just gave us a a vision of, you called it interdependence, Mm -hmm. um, community, Mm -hmm. um, stewardship, and sharing of resources. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And out of that, you know, what what occurs to me to your last part of your statement about um, we won't tolerate violence and murder the way that we currently seem to to tolerate it in our society. Um, And I think that that often comes when people know each other Mm -hmm. and the resources and support are there. Um, do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So those are wonderful. Those are, those are big ideas, all, all cast for us in the context of a backyard plot of land <laughs> <laughs> with children playing from all around the neighborhood and, and, a, and a diverse group of children playing. So it's wonderful to hear that. Um, Jen, take us, take us even further. 2031, what does it look like? Well... It looks like a lot of what Gina said, neighborhoods with, um, you know, community sheds in them where the tools live and um, many more neighborhoods that don't have to be rebuilt or built in the, in the image of 
co-housing communities, but, you know, Gina lives in a regular neighborhood with houses down the street, and people have uh, unlocked their doors and come toward each other again. And, you know, there was a time not that long ago in America where there was more of that, and the doors have closed more and more. So the reopening of those doors. I think the other thing is there are many, many people visioning right now uh, regional and local economies, ways of using resources where I don't grow an apple in Arkansas and ship it to China or, um, you know, things like that, so that, that we're we're more wisely using our resources and caring. It's another aspect, really, of stewardship, that we are looking all the time. Companies are looking, individuals are looking, communities are looking at the impact of our choices on one another and on the environment. And we're actually making choices that um, are grounded in the larger context that we're all embedded in. And the idea of sufficiency would proliferate the mindset of people saying, well, oh, if we do that, what impact will it have? And that before we make a choice, uh, all of us are asking those questions and designing the choices that we do make to have a positive impact on the community that we're in. And Fortune 100 and 500 and small companies and churches and synagogues and mosques, all aspects of our society are asking a similar question. In addition, people have answered the question, what is enough, in 2031. So every organization and every community knows the answer for themselves to that question and is operating and designing the products and services they make and what they offer to the community inside of the answer to that question. And I don't have a what that looks like. Part of sufficiency is it's creative and generative, and people get to say for themselves. But the question itself starts to generate solutions that um, acknowledge our interdependence and take care of the community around us in a different way. Beautiful. I can see it. I know. I, th- I can too. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's, I mean, when, you know, for those who are, you know, our, our skeptical listeners out there might be thinking, okay, this sounds like utopia, but I think with vision, we are aspirational, right? Vision is not necessarily the place where we're trying to um, be the most pragmatic. I mean, we will actually be talking on some upcoming shows about the world's population growing and the scarcity of resources and some of those other things. But I think sufficiency as a vision, as a, as a foundation for visioning is very powerful because um, many of the great experiences we have today come from the visions of other places. And I think back to the vision for Earth Day, for example, um, long ago and what Earth Day has come to stand for. Um, this was a, a movement in the beginning. It was something that uh, was meant to draw attention to the need to steward our Earth. Um, from it, uh, greater, great, much greater awareness has has derived over the years. And so we all have to start somewhere. I'd love to think about 2031 in the way that you've described it, a, a time of community, of interdependence, of sharing of resources, of respon- sharing of responsibility and accountability, not just for the moment that people are living in, but also for for the, the future, for the, the longer term. And I think a sufficiency mindset really does mean thinking for the longer term. I'm going to do a little reading before we take our next break. Um, this is from The Soul of Money, 
what we appreciate appreciates. Here we go. When your attention is on what's lacking and scarce in your life, in your work, in your family, in your town, then that becomes what you're about. That's the song you sing, the vision you generate. You engage in lack and longing and what's missing, and you call others to that same experience. If your attention is on the problems and breakdowns with money or scarcity thinking that says there isn't enough, more is better, or that's just the way it is, then that's where your consciousness resides. Those thoughts and fears grow from the attention you give them and can take over your life. No matter how much money you have, it won't be enough. No amount of money will buy you genuine peace of mind. You expand the presence and power of scarcity and tighten its grip on your world. However, if your attention is on the capacity you have to sustain yourself and your family and contribute in a meaningful way to the well-being of others, then your experience of what you have is nourished and it grows. Even in adversity, if you can appreciate your capacity to meet, learn, and grow from it, then you can create value where no one would have imagined it possible. In light of your appreciation, your experience of prosperity grows. We can use our appreciation, our conscious attention and intention to develop some mastery in the arena of money and transform our relationship with money in an open space for growth and freedom. That's the truth, says Lynn Twist, and I learned it first from the people we would call poor. So what we appreciate appreciates, and on that, we're going to take a break. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1 866 472 5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. This is Kate. Welcome back. I'm talking with Jen Cohen and Gina LaRoche of Seven Stones Leadership, and we are talking about sufficiency as a pathway to a sustainable and um, 
actually beautiful future. We did a, a visioning before the last break, and I want to go back to that for a moment and ask you, Jen and Gina, you know, is that kind of a vision really um, nothing more than a utopian view? Or, you know, how do we get there? Well, I would say, Kate, this is Jen, um, I would say it's already happening that it isn't a utopia. I mean, you could say at one level it's a utopian view. It is a visionary view. It isn't um, everywhere all the time kind of thing. It is a stretch. And that stretch is happening all over the planet, in organizations, in Fortune 500 companies, in local communities, the simple things like neighbor goods. Do you know, do you know that website? So you can put all this list of stuff that you have to share with your neighbors on a website and you put in your zip code and you put, right, and then they put all their stuff. So you can borrow someone's lawnmower in your local area. You can borrow their hair dryer. You can borrow whatever you want. Simple things like that, too. Makers of products in Fortune 100 companies that say these products are not healthy for people. And we need to rethink who we are as an organization and as a company and what we sell because we're poisoning children with this drink and we can't do it anymore. All of those things are happening and everything in between. And I'll just say where to get started. I would say, uh, personally, I like to start with myself and I like to start small because I can get overwhelmed. So if you want, I can just tell you some of the practices that I would recommend for people who are new to this conversation. That's great. Give us a few. So, um, first of all, um, I start really simply by um, setting a bedtime, telling people to set a bedtime and go to bed and sleep at least eight hours a night. (laughs) So, um, I just feel like a sufficient amount of sleep is a great place to start. Um, And then... I um, I have people, and I've done this, you look at your checkbook, look at your checking account or your quick, quick in account or wherever you're, you know, online, and look at where your money goes to. Look at the organizations, the companies, the institutions that you send money to, either electronically or through checks, every single month, and, and notice if those organizations speak to you. Are these the institutions that you want to support? And if not, then make a conscious choice to reallocate those resources to the institutions you would like to support. So if you're spending a lot of money on iTunes and you're happy with that, that's great. But if you realize, actually, I want to support independent um, local music, maybe you reallocate those resources and go into a, a local concert for local bands in town. I mean, everyone has a different sense, but that's a place to start. And don't only do that with your money, but do that with your time. Like, are you spending your time at the places that move to you and speak to your heart? And if not, how can you allocate, reallocate those resources maybe away from something that actually you're not so jazzed about and maybe you reallocate it more towards your family or towards volunteering or more. We have a lot of um, uh, garden plots here where people pick little uh, public corners and they garden it. You know, maybe that's your um, calling. Um, I also personally, um, uh, 10 years ago or 9 years ago, I didn't, Recycle, and so I started. I literally started recycling, and then I moved to composting. Then I moved to gardening. 
then I'm now looking at what is zero waste look like and so I started really small just by recycling um, and then I've moved kind of through the chain myself um, we um, I also do this practice of paying my bills on time um, so you know some bills you have you know your bill is due on a, like my mortgage is due on the first day but you have that grace period part of my sufficiency practice is to actually pay on the due date, not in the grace period. And even our vendors, you know, you have 30 days to pay our vendors. And we, more often than not, pay our vendors um, within seven days of, they get the check within seven days of um, week of us getting their invoices. So for us, that feels sufficient. Um, and is that also and, a measure of respect? Is that is that sort of acknowledging the exchange of value in a particular yeah. way? Yeah, I was going to say, and dignity, you know, really mm-hmm. to give dignity to the organizations that support us mm-hmm. um, so we can do good good work. Um, and then we do personal, um, like, uh, breath, you know, pausing, as Jen said, you know, to notice. So to notice something would require us to pause during our busy days. Sometimes I have people set alarms to remind them to breathe. You know, sometimes it's a full meditation practice. Sometimes you just walk a little bit slower to the car or you walk to the mailbox. Um, And then um, we actually, uh, I'm flipping from personal to corporate a little bit, but at Seven Stones we actually do this um, where we tithe from our top line so we don't give um, a percentage from our profits. We give our percentages from our revenue. And that's a radical um, shift for many organizations to be giving off the top instead of after the expenses and only from the profit. And then the last practice that I'll, that's helped me tremendously is whenever I'm in a place of that person over there or those people or that, you know, like those people are separate from me, I am, you are, I really come to this statement that I say a lot called we are. And so whenever I notice, like particularly when I'm interacting with media or on the news or listening to stories, I go, those people. And then I pause and I say, we are. And inside that, I notice our interdependence and the connection that I have to the people on the radio who might be saying things that I disagree with. So those are some some practices um, that people can start with. I have many more, Beautiful. but I'll pause. <laughs> I, know, I know you do, and I want to mention a couple more, too, and, and we have a question. So we're going to make some really fast choices um, right now so that we can we can end on a comment about this question. Um, let me just point out to people who are interested that Jen and Gina will be at the Omega Institute in New York offering a week-long program on sufficiency. So go to the Omega Institute website or go to the Seven Stones website to learn more about that opportunity. Um, I also encourage you to check out the Global Sufficiency Network. That is um, GSN, Global Sufficiency Network, and that's another place where you can get resources and first steps toward living and working from sufficiency. Um, In the minute we have remaining, can you give us a synopsis, um, Jen, of what does moving an organization from scarcity to sufficiency look like? How do you begin that transformation? Super quick. Um, you begin that transformation by um, 
exactly what you said earlier, Kate, which is noticing how organized we are around we don't have the right resources, we don't have the right people, we don't have, and inviting people uh, to ask the question, if we were enough right now, if we had enough resources, if our vision were robust enough, if our resources were strong enough, if our people were just the right people, how would we be, what would we do, and what actions would we take? I think that's great. And I think I I would just clarify that in doing that exercise, make sure that you you don't treat it as a hypothetical. In other words, like if we had a million dollars, right, then we could. But instead, center that question and that exploration around given who we are today, what we have available to us right now, the gifts we have, the intention we have, the network we have, the resources we do have, what can we do? It's a very different conversation um, than the scarcity conversation. So thank you for the question. I hope that that sends you in a good direction. Um, I want to say thank you to you, Jen and Gina, for joining us. You, as always, have challenged and inspired me, and I hope that our listeners have had the same experience. Um, for people who'd like more information about Jen and Gina's work, go to www.7stonesleadership.com. And if you'd like to really take a good look at sufficiency, we all recommend that you read The Soul of Money by fundraiser and humanitarian Lynn Twist. Next week, Margaret Regan from the Future Work Institute will join me to talk about the fascinating, startling, and yet predictable future of work. Please tune in. Have a great week. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed hearing from leaders who are using vision to create an inspiring future. Please join host Kate Ebner for another edition of Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business Channel. Meanwhile, visit www.nebocompany.com for more tips on bringing your own vision to life.